I um, cannot wait to hear the word of the Lord tonight through Pastor Derek. And um, he is the new pastor of Willow Church right outside of Houston, Texas. Yeah. I want to read a scripture this morning, uh, several passages of scripture, but I felt the Holy Spirit said to read this as I begin. So if we could all find our place, stop all movement in the sanctuary, please. If you're walking, stop. It is very important that when the preached word goes forth, that there is an honor and respect for that. I replayed the video last week and watched a lot of times the movement in the sanctuary. While the infallible, perfect word of God was being preached, there just was a lot of movement. And the reason I say that is we have to do better. Every time you move is a distraction for someone that is hanging on to a thread to life. And the enemy will use everything, our children that need to go to the restroom, a movement on the front row, third row, fifth row. We have to be aware of environments. I'm not scolding you, I'm just telling you. One who is demonized and looking for every excuse not to come to him. The enemy can come and steal a seed of distraction. So in a moment, when I begin to preach, I need zero movement in the house unless you are about to die and your bladder is about to explode. Does that make sense? I'm just pastoring you right now. It was amazing how much movement when I was preaching last Sunday and, and folks in the middle of an important word, somebody just get up and walk out. Crawl over four or five people from the front to the back, back to the side. And while I'm preaching, every head went. Master and dominate the moment. If your child cannot handle being in the service for two hours without having to go in and out, we have a wonderful children's ministry for them where they can run around and do whatever they need to do. Are you okay? Take a deep breath. All right. I'm just pastoring you right now. Life and death, suicide, drug addiction, devils are looking for every moment to steal and snatch away. Luke chapter 4, the Lord said, read the scripture. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. As he read it in Luke 4.16, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the Lord. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The Bible says then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. I feel very strongly this morning about the presence of the Lord It is absolutely amazing what I experienced last night in prayer and what we have been experiencing at the North Georgia Revival over the last several weeks. I want to show you an image up on the screen. I was in Bradenton, Florida. And all of those around me, several layers deep, were the people that got born again on Monday night. 35 people wrapped all the way around outside the picture. 
got born again last Monday. Over 40 people were saved in two nights there. Over 300 people immersed. Come home Wednesday night, preached, land in Boston Thursday, preached in Maine. 12 people were saved on Thursday night in Maine and 14 on Friday night in Maine. Come on, give the Lord glory. It matters what we're doing in this house. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And some said in verse 14, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'm going to give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I feel that there are demonic spirits in the room today that are going to be harassed all during our services this morning and our services this evening. It is a bad day for your demon to come to church with you. Bad day. Bad. Bad. Bad day. It is going to be so uncomfortable that your body may begin to twitch and your body may begin to do things because it's agitated. I feel tonight such a yoke-destroying anointing, burden-removing anointing, devil casting out anointing in the house this morning, I'm not responsible for what manifests. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. I love this church. I love the people in this church. I love this church, and here's the reason why, because we're a loving family. Talk to me, somebody. We're a caring family, a praying family, a serving family, a giving family. I've watched over the last 12 years as Karen and I have been your pastors. We've laughed together, we've cried together, we've mourned together, we rejoice together. We've buried people together. We've married people together. We brought in new people together in those birthing rooms called hospital rooms. I've held people's hands that had minutes to live, been in the room when the doctor walks in and says there's nothing else that we can do. I've been there at your promotions. We've been together at your advancements. We've seen your careers explode. We've seen you go from a two-bedroom house to a three-bedroom house, from a three-bedroom house to a four-bedroom house with a three-car garage. I've witnessed bankruptcy in the house with some of you. I've also witnessed some of you expand and explode financially. But through it all, this house has sustained a level of humility and purity and all that has come to us collectively as a people. I love this church because we're in the middle of a revival and hosting the presence of God. And while doing that, we have continued to be a local church where we cared for one another. We've ministered to one another. 
We've loved on the community. We feed those who need some help from time to time. We've supported local missions. We have done prison ministries. We have gone to the parks and preached the gospel. We've laid hands on the sick inside and outside the church. We've preached in Atlanta. We've preached in Dawsonville. We have been on planes and traveled both the Atlantic and the Gulf of Mexico. We have literally traversed the world sending people to tell folks about Christ. But in the midst of doing church and revival, some of us have struggled maintaining the pace. Everybody say pace. Your heart wants to run the race, but life is tripping you up. Can I talk to you for a moment? I feel I need to pray for every person under the age of 40 this morning to release something into your life. And then I'm going to pray for everyone over 41, a different prayer to release something into your life. Now I'm going somewhere, so stay with me. So if you are 40 and below, married or single, okay, I want you to stand to your feet right now if you're 40 and below. Now, if your spouse is, is 39 and you're 40 you, or 42, just come with, just stand with your spouse. Take the advantage of the lower ring while you can. So come to the front quickly, every one of you, as tight as you possibly can. In the name, if you are below the age of 40, and if you're at home, I want you to stand to your feet as well. Just come, fill in all the gaps. Come as close as you can, because there are a lot of folks. My Lord, hundreds of people. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, get as tight as you can. Get as tight as you can. Scrunch up together. Tighter, come on, tighter. Come on, fill this gap right here. Come to the middle. Church, just look around at all the young people in this house that are under the age of 40. Lord, you look good. I didn't say if you have a heart to be 40. Some of y'all sneaking in, all right? You are in the beginning stages of your careers, families, marriages. Even though some of you may have been married 20 years, you're, you're a veteran at that. But I'm just telling you, you're, you're young. A lot of demands, a lot of pulls, a lot of goals, aspirations, uh, opportunities to take shortcuts, to get rich quick, um, to focus on you alone, to become very uh, narcissistic. You hear what I'm saying? To become. Uh, me and mine oriented. My kingdom, my world, my life. I have fewer years behind me than I have in front of me. Do you hear what I'm saying? The days in front of me, I am coming to a close. Now that may be 30 years from now, 40 years from now, but I'm, you know, there's still fewer years in front of me. In front of you, it's like this. To me, it's like this. And so, a lot of times, when you think I've got this, your decisions that need to be made now, you kick down the road. Because you see plethora of years, time expands, seasons, decades. But what you do here will determine what happens there. And the sooner you make the right decisions here will make that better for you. Mm. Revival sits on the shoulders of men. I'm going to say it again. Revival sits on the shoulders of people, men and women. 
His eyes roam the earth, Sean, trying to find a man or a woman whose heart's completely loyal to him so he can sit down. And then he'll show himself strong. As I travel, and I'll be in Rainier, Oregon in the morning all the way through Friday, I have never witnessed what I'm witnessing right now. There is a stirring of the move of God like I've never encountered in my life. God is going to raise up 100 young people to surrender their lives to the full call of Jesus. From this platform and from those altars, we'll send out 100 missionaries, 100 pastors, and 100 teachers to go all over the world, not building kingdoms, but expanding the kingdom of God. I need you to be well. I need you to be blessed financially. I need you to be blessed mentally, emotionally, family, to get things in order so that the favor of God can rest upon you. I need you to be healthy so you don't die at 52 with a heart attack because of a poor diet. Give him a shout of praise in the house. Come so on. Father, in the name of Jesus, these 40 and belows, young families, those have yet to be married, teenagers, children, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that there will be a passing of the baton. And may that baton that is passed to these individuals, may they not, O oh Lord, water down the preaching and even sandpaper the rough edges of the gospel. I thank you, Lord, that you are beginning to stimulate in their hearts what it means to be a godly father, godly husband, a godly mother, a godly wife. A godly young person that keeps their body chaste, oh Lord, that keeps their body pure, their eyes pure, their spirits pure, their, their bodies pure, Lord Jesus, their, 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 their finances pure, Lord Jesus. That, Lord, we thank you that right now that I release over this church on these 40s and below, oh God, a kingdom dynamic that is birthed on the inside of them, a spirit of endurance, a spirit of purity, a spirit of holiness, a spirit of righteousness, oh God, where they will chase you and make you the Lord of their life from this point forward. Not trying to discover it at 50 or 60 and said, now, I'm, now's the time. No, Lord, let today, at this moment, this season, this service be the moment that they die to their own lives and begin to make you the king of every aspect of their life. A life completely, totally surrendered to you in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I speak health upon them. I speak financial increase that will blow their minds. Lord, I pray for creative ideas, new patents to come, Lord Jesus, new breakthroughs at work, their careers, inventions in Jesus' name. I thank you that they'll find the favor of their boss, their company, and Lord, that you'll bless everything that they put their hand to, that their appliances will last longer, that their cars will last longer, Lord Jesus, that their lawnmower will last longer, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, their clothes will last longer in Jesus' name. I thank you that you'll give them wisdom beyond their years about their investments and their purchases and may not, oh God, may they not be ruled by their fleshly desires. I pray, Father, for a quick get out of debt, Lord Jesus. I pray that that will be a part of their life. I pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire to come upon them, Lord God, like they've never experienced before. That they no longer cuss. They no longer talk negatively about their spouse. They no longer have negative proclamations. But, oh God, they're filled with faith and filled with the Word of God. I declare that every one of these 40 and below will begin a career in Canal Ministry Training Center to be trained correctly, Lord, about the Word of God. That every one of these, at some time in the near future, all of them will be engaged in deeper discipleship. And everybody in the house said amen and amen and amen. All right. Go back to your seat in the name of Jesus. If you're 41 and above, 41 and above, make your way to the, to the front. That, that's you, all right? That's you, the rest of us. Don't be ashamed. 41 and above. Mm -hmm. You're not old if you're 41. You're not old if you're 61. You're not old if you're 81. You're only as old as you feel. Age is a number. Come on. 
love on somebody as they're making their way by you. All right, if you are above the age of 40, come to the front. My goodness. Wow. Scrunch to the middle. Now, I'm going somewhere this morning. You hang on with me, all right? You look good. Wow. All these bald heads. All these gray heads. And all the color on top of our heads. You look amazing. Hundreds. Hundreds. Split right down the middle. Isn't that the way it ought to be? Every church ought to be balanced. Somebody always say, what's your demographic? Who's your target group? I just said people. Well, no, you need, you need to define. You need to go for the 30s and do all your ministry 30 and below. I said, they broke. They all broke. Y'all know what I'm saying? Y'all know when you were 30, didn't have two nickels to rub together. Dear God, I bought my suits at Salvation Army up until I was 31, 32 years of age. Dollar twenty-five for a suit and a quarter for a tie. High cotton, a dollar fifty. I'd come in walking like I owned the building. I'm not lying to you. Bought my suit off a dead man one time. Estate sale. Hadn't been into the ground no more than three days. I walked through his closet. I'll take that one right. Cost me more to alter it than I did to buy it. I think, there, and you know, when you don't have any money, you're thinking $25 to alter a suit or whatever, $60. I'm thinking, dear God, I could have helped me, Jesus. You're at a different stage. You've learned a thing or two about life. We made some mistakes. Now, many of us are, are walking as a result of that mistake, our mistakes. That's okay. Just another chapter of your book. It's just a season. It's not the end. In this room right here with these individuals at the front, the glory of God rests upon your head. The peace of God rests upon your head. Health is yours. Long life, longevity, and not just an extension of years, but quality of years. The Bible says that it is the gray heads that need to teach those that are younger than us. The women need to teach the younger women how to love their husbands, how to honor and how to respect. Men need to teach wisdom and financial blessings on what to do and what not to do. To show an example of godliness and purity of mind and purity of speech and purity of soul. Of what it's like to walk with God and not do without. To walk with God and see the peace of the Lord in every situation. This revival is sitting on your shoulders. Some of you are physically tired. Others of you are physically sick. But today, we're canceling the assignment of the enemy. In the name of Jesus. Some of you have careers. You're behind on retirement. You're behind on your payments. You're behind in other areas. And you're wondering, how am I going to survive when I get 67 and beyond? Because my social security is minimal. I'm going to declare this over you. Society has told you that at 65, you take your foot off the pedal. I speak over you that at 65, you're going to hit another gear. You're going to hit another gear. The money that you do have, you're going to look at it as an opportunity to invest, to, to go from addition to multiplication. I'm going to pray that kingdom ideas and opportunities will come to you so that you shall see when you should and you should not. I pray in abundance that you'll have more left over, that you'll be able to leave an inheritance not only to your children, but your children's children all the way to the fourth generation. Mm -hmm. 
I pray that they, uh, I pray that you live so long that the friends that have gone before you will think you didn't make it. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to pray that you live so long that the friends that you had that have died before you, they've been there so long in heaven, they're going to think you didn't make it. Do not fear sickness and disease. Every ache, every pain, every lump, do not think it's a death sentence. And give yourself to fear and to anxiety that robs you of minutes and days and months and years. So, Father, I speak to these wonderful folks financially that, God, they are right now where the wealth of the kingdom is. Not just them, but others below them as well. But, Lord, the wealth is in their hands. All their life, they've worked to get to this moment. I pray, oh, God, that they, we've not seen anything like we're about to see of a transference of kingdom ideas, kingdom work, oh, God, kingdom opportunities, kingdom sweat, kingdom sweat. Listen to me, kingdom sweat, faith to come, Lord, for us to believe that what we say we shall receive according to your word. Lord, we pray that every one of us will die like David, length of days, full of days, full of honor. And the Bible says, and he died full of riches. I pray, God, that when we pass, they find money everywhere in our house, in the multiple accounts that we have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I speak this over our congregation. I speak, Lord, advancement and increase. I speak, God, humility and brokenness as well. A desire for you and you alone, O oh Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. You said, Lord, you have given us the power to create wealth in Deuteronomy. You said that, God. You've given us power to create wealth. Why? So that your covenant could be spread to all the world. May no missionary from this house ever have to beg for money. Mm -hmm. Come on now, church. Mm -hmm. No kingdom calls will we have to beg for money. Lord, may we live not from the bottom of the barrel, the middle of the barrel, or even from the top of the barrel. May we live and do ministry from the overflow of the barrel that is trickling down and flowing down, I should say, from the sides and on the ground. That, Lord, the quicker we give it away, the more that it comes. That the reaper shall overtake the sower. That as we have cast it on the water, Lord, as soon as we cast it out, it comes back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And everybody in the house said, Amen. Now, Lord, I pray for physical. I pray those that are sick in the building to be made well. I pray that they catch their second wind. Lord, that they will not use these latter years to rest and to relax, but, oh, God, that they will die fully and completely exhausted doing kingdom work with nothing else to do. Mm -hmm. May none of us retire on the beach. May none of us retire and play golf seven days a week and forget your work, oh God. Go to the beach, play your golf, but never forget that you are still a kingdom man and a kingdom woman. As long as life is in your breath, he expects to use your body. Not to retire and dwindle away with a margarita, sitting and having a beautiful sunset scene while the rest of the world dies and goes to hell. Take your respite, take your sila, take your break, take your vacation, but understand that you have been bought with the price and your body is no longer your own. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray that this will be the most powerful senior group, oh God. Our 70s, 80s, and 90 years old, I pray God for a tripling of that age group in our church. Oh God, that they will be a tripling of the 70s and 80s and 90-year-olds. God, that we will be on the record as having century people. Lord, that we will have a plethora of people that have lived to 100 years old. Mm -hmm. Still praying, still fasting, still seeing. Seeking, still serving. I release that in the Christ fellowship. Lord, I'm not going to die when I'm 67. I'm not going to die when I'm 77. I'm not going to die when I'm 87. Lord, I pray that I live into the 90s. That God, that we, Lord, that people will think Pastor Todd didn't make it. Lord Jesus, I thank him that I'll preach the gospel to my last breath. In the name of Jesus. And everybody in the house said amen and amen, amen. You may be seated. My Lord, my Lord. Woo! Come on, stand to your feet, everybody in the house, and give him praise. Come on, give him praise. Give him praise.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Look at the screen, if you will. Just a few more minutes. We're going to get out before the Methodists, I promise you today. You're going to love me for it. We got a great night in front of us. Look at the screen. Just stand, just stand for a moment. Just I know you've been standing. Then you're going to sit down for a few minutes. Then we'll be done. Everybody read this together with me on the count of three. Um, I want to make sure that you see the screen. Every eye looking at it. Very important. One, two, three. If you will sustain. Again, one, two, three. If you will sustain this level of prayer. I will do this continuously. One more time. If you stay in this level of prayer, I declare over this house, and I prophesy over this house, that our largest meeting will not be our Sunday morning service, but it will be our prayer meetings. Isn't it, it's not ironic, but isn't it amazing that as soon as we hit that 100 mark in prayer, we saw an uptick in the manifestation and the glory of God, not only in the waters, but here in this building. And it follows me, Pastor Marty, and our teams everywhere we go. It follows our mission team. Parents, the greatest thing that you could ever disciple your kids to do, and if you know zero about it, is to take the posture of prayer. They learn by example. Our children praying on Sunday morning. Are you with me? A mother prays for her prodigal. And then there's the prodigal. I love this church. It's different. It's hard to be a part of this church. Not in any way other than we're in the middle of a war and the church is laboring, co-laboring, working with the Holy Spirit. Talk to me. I walk in here last night. Just take a look at this. One more time. People all over the room. Praying for a move of God. You may be seated. Last night, I watched this young lady get baptized on a Saturday night with cancer in her body. And Pastor Marty, last night, I watched this lady right there get born again. Last night, another baptism took place. 
and then another. But take a look at this. Look who's occupying the chairs to pray. I love this church. But in the midst of doing church and revival, you can't let life be too busy for you and you miss the move of God. Some of us have struggled maintaining the pace. Everybody say pace. I'm with Pastor Ron in Maine the other day and he dropped something into my spirit that I've got to share with you. Because some of us in this room, perhaps, or others of you that are new here, because we've been praying for reinforcements and replacements, and you are an answer to our prayer. Some of you are moving here. You don't know it quite yet. The Lord will confirm that to you. You've been asking, Lord, where do we need to be? And the Lord's going to say, I need you to move to Dawsonville, Georgia. I'm sitting there with this man, he's 68 years of age, and he looks at me and he says something to me. He said, Todd, he says, there's two types of pastors. He says, there's kingly pastors, and then there's priestly pastors. I'm a student at his feet. I said, tell me, what do you mean? He says, across the American landscape, he says, churches are usually divided into two camps, kingly churches or priestly churches. And it is determined what type of church they're going to be based upon if the pastor is a kingly pastor or a priestly pastor. He said the kingly pastor usually builds great, enormous places. A king pastor seeks to grow, attract, expand, and serve the crowd. A kingly pastor, just like a king on the planet, is heavily aware of trends and the impact that they have. And he said, it's not wrong to be a king pastor, kingly pastor. You hear what I'm saying? He says, they're just different groups. And you can normally tell whether you're sitting under a kingly pastor or priestly pastor by the content of which they preach. From a kingly pastor, from his lips, her lips, usually comes, we've got to reach more people. We've got to launch new campuses. How many do we run? Why are our numbers down? How can we get our numbers up? Because this is king talk. And it's not bad for that at all. Don't hear what I'm saying. Do you hear what I'm saying? And then he says, then there's the priestly pastor. Whereas the kingly pastor watches the crowd. The priestly pastor is more interested in the cloud. So a lot of times when you think I've got this, he's concerned about presence, not people. Encounter, interchange. The kingly pastor talks about self-enhancement principles, how you can better the quality of your life. The priestly pastor deals with sin and sorrow and brokenness. Do you hear what I'm saying? And the, sooner you make the, right the kingly church and the kingly pastor, if they're not careful, can go dry. And it may and, and it become all about strategy and people and driven by numbers, the next project, the next campus and expansion. And that church, which is growing by numbers, can become spiritually bankrupt. Even while the word is being preached, 
spiritually, you can become bankrupt. On the other hand, the priestly church or the priestly pastor can go financially bankrupt. The king can go spiritually bankrupt. The priest can go financially bankrupt. Why? Because the priest is focused on the spirit and the spirit only. He is driven by the Spirit's encounter, the experience, the life change, the demonstrations of power. Do you hear what I'm saying? The kingly church groups. The priestly church isolation. The kingly church compassion. The priestly church concentration. The priestly church emphasizes being alone without many people around you, with very few influencers. The kingly priest, now stay with me, talks about group dynamic, moving together in herds. I'm going somewhere, stay with me because I'm going to help you. The king looks at the church from the top down. With the head up, looking over the horizon. What new lands can we conquer? They're program-based, culture-based. And kingly churches and kingly preachers, how can we develop a culture that when people walk in, they feel wonderful? The rough edges of the gospel, the tough sayings, mm -hmm, are usually sandpapered down so that we can give people who are seeking God an optimum experience. Nothing wrong with that. But you need to understand what type of church we are of. The priestly church is more... Not crowd-centered, but culture-centered and environment-centered where I nor you are the top prerogative. It is the presence of God. That we want to create a culture that God is attracted to an environment whereas God is wanting to come and not leave that the whole culture, the whole environment is about pleasing one and the whole service is directed to him and what he wants and what he desires, not based upon a study of what our Gen Z's and millennials desire to experience in church. A king is interested in expansion. A priestly individual is interested in encounter. Neither one of them in extremes is healthy. I pray that that will be a part of their life. I pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire to come upon them. Does that make sense to you? never experienced before. That they no longer cuss. They no longer talk. Because if all I think about is the priestly role that I have, we will miss kingdom opportunities to take the priestly kingdom church, if you will, to other areas. We will miss him. Your Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, turn there in your Bible because this is important. Revelation chapter 1 and also Revelation chapter 5. Look, if you will, verse 5. Thank you, Lord. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne 
And now verse five, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us what? Kings and priests to his God and father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So here's where we as a congregation will need to be. And that is that our position in this community will need to involve both the king mindset and the priestly mindset. Talk to me. Now, if I'm going to err, I'm going to err on the priestly side. And you guys know that I am heavily the shift happened five years ago. I am heavily influenced by this priestly side. Therefore, it is important for me to have people around me who understand where we are as a church, how we do church, why we do church, and then our emphasis is on encountering him and the cloud and not being dominated by the crowd. However, people around you must help you understand that there is a crowd out here that needs to be brought in into this type of environment. Kings and priests. Look at Revelation chapter 6. Again, excuse me, Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord. And they sang a new song, verse 9, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us what? Kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign upon the earth. Even though we are not a program-based church, we need programs. Programs are not of the devil and a sign of spiritual dryness. Our feeding the community is a program. Our children's ministry is a program. Our youth ministry is a program, a ministry. Our worship is a program. You understand what I'm saying? Program-based church where we have different sects of our society within the community here at Christ Fellowship Church. And all of them are programs that we have. But they must not stand alone. And our goal and our objective to be what the king influences them to be. But sometimes we have to think like kings. Does that pencil? How much is that going to cost us? Is that effective? Who's leading that group? Are they qualified? Do you hear what I'm saying? Those are all kingly decisions. How's the culture of that group? How's the leadership structure? That's how a king thinks. But a priest says, none of that's important. Let's just all just get under the glory. And so you have everybody under the glory, but no structure. I don't know why I'm telling you guys this on this Sunday in the middle of the revival, but you, you have to understand. Our media ministry is a program. I pray in abundance that you'll have more left over, that you'll be able to leave it in The priest says, well, it doesn't matter. But a king thinks, how can we influence people? I pray that you live so long that the friends that have gone before in Asia. think you didn't make it. Karen, do you remember in the early days 
We wouldn't even broadcast our services on, on YouTube. The first six to eight months, we were afraid of tainting what God was doing. It wasn't until May or June, four months, yeah, until I think our first Sunday night service went on Facebook. Why? Because the priest in us was concerned about making it what it shouldn't be. I want the church to be governed from the priestly perspective rather than the kingly perspective. But there has to come times when the priest and the king work together. And I remember Pat Schatzline sitting down with us. He was such a gift to the church in those early days. He said, why aren't you putting this on Facebook? And we all said, Pat, we're afraid that it will become tainted and marketed. He says, you owe it to the world. He says, what God's doing in this house, you owe it to the world. He says, remember this paper? Don't keep it here. But we pass the test. You hear what I'm saying? I don't want to go to the extreme and miss kingdom assignments and expansions. Talk to me. So that your covenant could be spread to all the world. Is this helping anybody today? It's helping me. Because you need to know how I, Pastor Marty, and our team flows. Our elders are more kingdom men. They're spiritually priests as well. But they deal with the financials of things. Every decision, what we do and don't do, that deals with kingdom. Thank God for that balance. All good? You all right? So understand, when you come to this church and you're looking for, wow, why is this so abrasive all the time? Why is, why is he always taking me to the altar by the nap of my neck and slinging me down there and say, get right? Right? I feel sorry for you. I'm not lying. I think, dear God, it's amazing we have anybody in this church. So then the king part of this. And I wrestle with it all So just know that that's my flow because of what he's done. You got to go here in a minute. Take a look at Caneo Ministry Training Four years ago, five years ago, in 2017, we had 49 students. Karen and her team, her and Michaela, Pastor Sherry, financials, dominated. I'm not going to die when I'm 77. I'm Caneo, not die when, I'm when there was just a few. Lord, I pray that I live into the 90s. That God, that we... You hear what I'm saying? That people will think Pastor Todd didn't make it. And the Lord found Jesus, them faithful. I thank him that I'll preach the gospel to my last breath. In all in classes. In the name of Jesus. And everybody oh. in the house said amen and amen, amen. You may be seated. And God kissed it. My Lord, my Lord. Woo! Come on, stand to your feet, everybody in the house, and give him praise. Come on, give him a praise. A priest wouldn't know how to take it to the world because his nose is on the ground Thank seeking God. Thank you, Lord. 
but a king who's all about expansion and development and building and structure looks at it and says, this has got to go to the world. So you begin to add the cabinet around the issue and keeping it pure so that you can expand the influence of Canale. 32, 33 campuses, 1,300 students around the world. A king does that, and I wasn't the guy. I declare over this house, and I prophesy over this house, that our largest meeting... We started hiring people who had the king mindset, who submitted to the priestly anointing. It's not ironic. The priestly anointing on the house, right? So it's being operated and dominated by that. But the infrastructure had to have some oversight of kingly people. And it follows me, so. Pastor Marty, and our teams everywhere we go. It follows our mission team. Embrace the culture and understand that when I preach, and say, go altar, prayer, presence, face. That's the priestly part. That God is on. But when we do king things, understand that they're being done because they're necessary to expand his influence of the priestly anointing. My goal is to take churches that are dominated by the king and to pull them to this. But they never forget their gifts. Presence, not presentation. The cloud, not the crowd. The culture that attracts God not just the culture that attracts people with fun, exciting events. So welcome to the church that I feel is dominated from our staff, executive staff, from the priestly perspective. So stand your feet all across the room. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So all my young pastors, preachers, evangelists, missionaries. Now listen to me very quickly. All the young, even older ones, pastors, preachers, teachers, evangelists, missionaries, master the priestly because out of it, God will surround you with people or give you giftings to bring king-minded people to you. Oftentimes, kings can't make the transition to the priestly side because their people and them and their M.O. is different. And to take a church from the kingly to the priestly your people will say, this is not the church I recognize. Why did you change? It used to be fun to go here. Too many charismatics have gone from the priestly to the king. Because with jealousy and envy, they've watched their churches not grow and the king grow his kingdom. And they began to go to conferences and say, King, teach me 
how to grow a kingdom. Put your chairs this way. This is what you say and you don't say. Here's the length of your service. Here's what you start your music out with. And you've got 22.6 minutes to do that. I love this church. You hear what I'm saying? Here's what we do not say from the pulpit. Because if you say it, you'll confuse people and make them mad. It's the presence of people. I'm with Pastor Ron. Oh God, may there be a revival. In Maine the other day and he brought bringing kingdom-minded men that were once Pentecostals, tongue talkers. Oh God. Cut their teeth speaking in tongues. The gifts of the Spirit, but because they were bankrupt financially and empty buildings, they learned from kings. Paradigm shift right here, Lord. May kings now come to priests to learn about presence. And may they both operate for your kingdom. May Christ Fellowship Church never be dominated from the kingdom perspective, a king perspective alone. But may the king's influence give us wisdom, abilities, vision, strategy. But may we as a people live on this altar, nose down, from the bottom up and not the top down. For this is my prayer. Heads bowed, eyes closed. A few of you have never been born again. You've never been saved. You're not right with God. You're away from Him. If you died right now, you'd go to hell. If you want to be born again, to become a follower of Jesus, is not to just to be a pressure to be released off your life or to say, I'm going to follow him. When I count three, raise your hand as high as you can. One, two, three. Anybody in the room? I need to be born again. 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 Anybody in the house? Okay. I don't see any hands. It's all right. Now, Father, I speak a blessing over Christ Fellowship Church. And you can normally tell whether you're sitting under a that you would send us, Lord, reinforcements and replacements in this house. From a kingly pastor, from his lips, that our people will not grow weary while doing good. That you'd sustain them, strengthen them. As we hold up under your glory. Intensify the priestly side of our church. Dads would be priests. Moms would be priests. Presence driven. Yeah. Give us wisdom. That kingly anointing. I release this upon the house of the Lord. And everybody in this room said, amen and amen and amen and amen. Give God glory right now. Thank you so much. All right. Pastor Derek, come on up here real quick. I want you guys to make Pastor Derek Snodgrass feel welcome. My Lord in heaven. So excited. He'll be preaching the word tonight. I want you to make sure that you're here. Five o'clock prayer. Okay. Come on, priest. 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 You're a king and a priest. Pastor Marty, come on up here. Pat Chastline gave me a, a bit of advice one day. He said, Todd, sometimes you wake up on the, on the Monday morning, you gotta, be, you gotta be a king. He says, sometimes you gotta wake up and you're the priest. He says, sometimes you gotta deal with some financial issues. You got to put on the kingly role. 
What do I need to do to take care of my family today? What kind of decisions do I need to make financially? I can't just live all the time. You understand what I'm saying? Every day you wake up, you either be a king or a priest. Learn to balance both of them. Sometime I walk into the office, Pastor Moore, we have to be kings, don't we? Air conditions need to be replaced. New ministry needs to be started. Delay in a purchase. Panic. I said, Lord, I need a kingly anointing today. Kingly But, oh, God, today, I knew that. I feel like I'm a priest. The kingly church isolation. The darkness. The priestly church constantly. Solitude. Speak still. The priestly church emphasizes being Give me wisdom. alone. Without many people. And I put my king coat on to make the decision. Very few influencers. The kingly priest. Now stay with me. Talks about group dynamics. Hallelujah. Y'all get out of here. Love you. See you tonight at 5 o'clock.